Did you ever think you would be selling bits and spurs to guys and that was the most expensive thing they had? When I mean, when yeah. I first got to Texas, you would meet cowboys and they had a bad truck, a pretty crappy truck and trailer, and they had your spurs, your bits. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think that would happen? You know, I, I didn't. I didn't know it would happen to this level. But I always wanted that. That's what I wanted. I want. I want every one of you guys to be wearing my stuff, riding my bits, wearing my spurs, and I want to make them for you. That was my goal. You know, that was that's how it. That's how it all started. You know. Right. Well, and and to be a true student of it, and to be immersed in the craft, right? That's. Right. I mean, what what year did you build your first? You started building spurs, right? Yeah, it probably started out with buckles, and it was it was because because I was already welding, and I liked doing the steel, and I was a little bit of an artist in in the first place, you know. I roped at that time, I was roping, doing a little bit of cowboy stuff, and and we were like, hey, um, spurs are you know spurs are cool, saddles are cool, bits are cool. I you know, first time I ever met Jim Edwards, it was at Bill Todd, Bill and Cody Todd's, and he was he was hurt or something. He brought some bits by there and was selling them. And I was like, man, I want one of these. I can't afford it, but I want it. right, right. You know, it was it was cool stuff. I mean, that's that's exactly it. when I first got to Texas. It was I, I hear about these this Kelly bit, mm-hmm. like, you know, and I and I my background is team roper, right, and rode a lot. A lot of miles and was really the the best bit maker that I was around was Gordy Alderson, mm-hmm. and he builds great great stuff, right? Um, and then I get out here and you start, you get introduced to the the swaps and like at Abilene, and yeah. that's what's even wild about it is your stuff is the staple of the swaps too. It's generally Bill Plummer's booth with mm-hmm. you know is one of the first places I look for, and he has a ton of ton of your 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 bits and spurs and you know i i think that's been amazing to see as well as as you've moved on with the the building of it the value why do you think that is is the value stayed you seem to have hit the perfect marks with it yeah i don't know because you're talking about you're talking about like there's a lot of them and this guy in this booth has a bunch of those bits and this and that. And, and people would always hit me with that. They would say, hey, you, you're making too many of them. You, you're making too many of them. The, the price is going to go down because they're not collectible. And I'm like, well, I'm not making them for you to collect. I'm making them for people to ride. And I'm making them to make me a living. That's what I'm doing. It wasn't about yeah. collectibles, you know. I mean, sure, I guess that's great. But you got to get it out there for people want it, you know. That's the way. That's the way it always was, you know. And, and if if they were if they were in that guy's booth, and 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 that guy might come to me. Bill Plummer might come to me. And goes, Carrie, man, I I sell so many of your bits, man. It is like crazy. And I'm like, what's because it's because of quality. They all work. They all work. Now, sure, there might be a couple that don't work on a certain horse or something. But the people walk up to me and go. Carrie, I'm getting another bit this year because I've got those five and I need the next one and they all work. I'm not worried about that, you know. Right, right. The quality's always been there. I've stood behind the product for years. I've been a guy I wear a bit out. 
Slick came down in the arena just a minute ago. He had a worn-out bit. He's probably had it 10 years. And I go, dude, you rode that bit that long? Guess what? I'm giving you another one. Right. Here you go. Sure, I can I can put another mouthpiece in those bits, and we'll sell them as used bits. You know, we do good peddling them that way. We put them on Facebook, and we'll have a little sale one day and sell them all. You know, they don't care. Used bit, I'll take it. And guess what? It has the same guarantee as that new one did. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why the, the Cowboys have loved it so much is the qualities obviously there, right? Mm-hmm. But then the value, they know if they stick their money into it, you can move them fast. And if you need to cash out or if you mm-hmm. want to trade, it's, it's just it's, like money. It's, just it's like solid. Money. Yeah. Like real estate and Ke- Kelly Bits, we were talking about that. <laughs> they're, they're, they're going up. And, and I think that's... Or you know, at least stay mm-hmm. with nice value. Yeah. So, mid early '90s, you started building spurs, and you were just building. You went from kind of buckles to spurs, and we're getting into it. You kind of had to, you had that background and that interest. Mm-hmm. When, when did you decide? Hey, I want to start doing this. This is, oh, right. you know, I want to, I want to do this for a living. Was was that right around that same time? Yeah, I talk about it. I have this ledger that I was building everybody. Spurs for it. And the first 300 of them, I think I gave away 290 of them. I just gave them away, you know. And uh, one day, uh, I think Wendy had just finished college. She just graduated. She got a good job. And I was like, I hate my job. <laughs> right. And I, I have this thing. And I think, I told a friend of mine, I said, man, I think I'm losing money every day. I think I need to be doing this for a living. Wendy's got a job. And She's going to have the insurance, and I'm going to break it to everybody. Then I'm going to quit my job and start building spurs for a living. Her dad hated to hear that. He was like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. So you decided, hey, this is this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, then you give away, at the same time, you give away 290 of the first 300? <laughs> like it, after I you, don't know if it was that many, but it, was, it seemed like it. <laughs> I think it's genius, um, and it's it's a really bold move, right, to do something like that. You, you, you when you're doing that, you're you get a lot of value out of giving something away for free, right? Mm-hmm. What was the the biggest benefits of of doing that, um, giving your spurs away for free, getting started? Yeah, you know, it, I think everyone it, it sparked an interest, of course. You know, get, just getting them out there, and it's the same way of doing some wholesale like I did later on it was it was reaching a, a big audience and and then all of a sudden somebody's got some and they're showing them off and next thing you know somebody's coming to you hey I want a pair of those and I said oh they cost $150 and guess what those those spurs cost a thousand fifty just like the the other ones do now yeah and uh, people people cherish those first ones and I'm like I don't know why those were ugly those were terrible <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, when you're starting out, well, A, you get a lot of, like, like I call it reps, but you get a lot of practice in, right? Mm-hmm. You get a, you get to learn the what you're doing and, like, what you like, what you don't like. And the other thing is, if did you get a lot of feedback from riders right off and guys getting them? Did that help a lot as oh, well? Oh, yeah, it, and, in, and still to this day, you still get feedback, you know, mainly on the bits. The spurs, you know, not so much anymore, but, yeah, I remember... 
um, I emulated, I liked um, the Byers, the Clappers, the Shirley's, you know, and, and that's kind of my style all rolled together. I never studied under one person. I never, I never worked for a bit in Spurmaker or anything like that. So there's nobody's artistry that influenced me. It was, it was all me. It was, it was what I saw and that's how it developed, you know. Right. But um, just, just those things and wanting to, wanting people to come and, and order things from you, you want to get better. I was really passionate about it. You know, you have to be because it was, it was a hard road, you know, hard way to make a living. Well, yeah. And there's, there's a lot of people. It's, it's like anything, right? If you want to get to a high level at something and make a living doing something, you got to, you're going to have to make your own way. And it's a, it's a big climb to get to that point. Very Very few people just strike it rich and get it done overnight you know yeah and and I, I think the the reason for that is it to get successful overnight means a lot of people could probably do it right mm-hmm. so it's like once you work at something for so long and you you're true to your design and your craft and you do it how you see it and you get the right feedback and you build it how they want that's when you start getting this product that people cherish right mm-hmm. right so spurs was your passion or you know your start mm-hmm. and when did you know we see the spurs like we do now how long have they looked like that you know when did they get to that level this we, i would call it i mean you have some of my favorite spurs right. to, to ride when did you think it like hey i got to this this stage of building you know i think i think it was it was on a an incline and probably around 2010, probably 2010. And it's probably plateaued since then. You know, I, I think, sure, there's some good designs that come around, you know, but it's, it's probably, it's probably been about since 2010. It's been like where it needed to be. Right. So that's, you know, that's, that's a, a long time. That's a long time. A you lot got of spurs. Do you got a like a number? Do you keep track of how many you built? I, I don't, and and I probably should. You know, I, I can now. It, things things have come along even more now. So I make even more now. So I don't I don't know how many I made in the past when it was just me, and then then it was just me and a helper or something like that. But I really don't know. It's. It, way up in the thousands and thousands though yeah like the 10,000 rule might apply at probably this, you know probably so have you built do you, you mean starting out let's let's go with the background into metalwork you, you welded or how did you get into steelworking and then how did you kind of transfer to a, a craftsman with with that as well yeah that, so you know, it, it was it was the whole spur influence. You know, being the cowboy part of it was what is what sparked the the spur thing. But um, you know, I, I always had a welding job when I was in high school. That's that's what I had a barn building job. I had a just a welder's helper job, and I remember just I was I was 15 years old and I was welding on a, a maintenance crew. You know, and then my parents had a steel shop in Fort Worth. They they had a heat treating plant so my stepdad was a metallurgist and um if you know what a metallurgist is he he has a doctor he had a a 
a degree in, in metallology. So he knows a lot about steel and heat treating and what, what the makeup of steel are and things like that. So even, even the first pair of spurs I made, I made them out of 4130, which is what I still make them out of to this day. Really? Yeah. So for I don't know enough about steel. Um, explain to me why you went with that type of steel. That, so that, that steel was used in a lot of applications, whether it was automotive, aircraft, or things like that. It had it had some carbon content, some lead, some things like that. So it was it was a steel that would be hardenable, but it was it was easy to use, easy to form, things like that. But it would still be very durable unlike some cold rolls or things like that that some people would make them out and they would never harden and, and you've seen those spurs it'll bend you can bend them with your hands and things like that mine are definitely not that way yeah. you can't you can't move them by hand right so building those from from that way just by just by from what he told me and things i knew you know i've always done them that way that's pretty fascinating. From the very first time, stayed with the same steel, yeah. and and that's why they get the like it's like a soft, like it's almost got a soft, like smooth finish, mm -hmm. right? So that came from the first pair of spurs I ever had made. Uh, where that ranch was, Bill Todd was he's a mentor of mine. He took me to get my first pair of spurs made from Ray Anderson. Ray Anderson was a older maker and. I remember back when I was in my early 20s, like guys around here, they would collect Ray Andersons and uh, several of them would have many pairs of them. They, they, he was, you know, highly respected. He lived out in Zion Hill Road, just across the road from Bill. And uh, all the guys on the ranch there had a pair of Ray Andersons. So he took me and had my first pair made. And I told Ray, I said, hey, I'm gonna, I'm thinking about building a pair of spurs. He goes, well, when you build them, bring them back to me. I want to see them. I said, okay. So, you know, I was building on them for a month or two and finally got them done. I was beelining back out there and he took them and he, he was, he was holding them. He wasn't, he wasn't even looking at them really. He said, he said, Hey, I want to tell you something. When you build a pair of spurs, you need to make them where they're soft to the touch. They're finished. And that's something that always stood I still think about that to the day. To this day, I mean, I think that spur's finished, it's soft, you can feel it, everything, because there's no sharp edges on that thing. That's how they feel. And that came from that conversation with him. That's crazy to think about. It's, you know, to take advice early on mm -hmm. and it just stays with you. For, yeah. And it, it is a cornerstone of know what what you build mm -hmm. and, and how you you know produce your product yeah are you i mean you we're in the shop right now and there's bits and spurs everywhere um i mean obviously starting out you're doing it on your own so can you take me through the the spur making process of you know how long does it take you to build a set of spurs when you're first getting rolling oh yeah like the first pair, like I told you, man, I, it probably took me two months to build the first pair, and you know, there was all kinds of trial and error. You know, you never learn anything from getting it right, though. You learn it from the mistakes. So there was a lot of mistakes on through the years. I always tell everybody, there's about two hundred things that can go wrong building that pair of spurs right there. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. But um, 
I don't know. I've never really added them up, but I, I always say 200 just to be sound like I'm I know something. But that first pair probably took two months. Um, you know, you you get a little better after that, and then I remember when I finally quit my job, I thought I'm gonna make a pair a day, one pair a day. You know, that was me bending the bands. Um, every little bender, I think Jim gave me a little hinge bender you know I bent everything um, I copied somebody else's bender big bender I didn't get it right so I've got got two or three benders and only one of them works and I might even use two of them just to get the, the just the right bend in the in the band right. and then then of course it's shanks I would cut them out and chop saw and I, I remember Jim one time I was I was making the route the route groove in the uh uh, shank and I was just I was holding it with my hand, bare hands holding the chop saw you know and just grinding that groove in there he goes man you couldn't hold a gun on my wife and make me do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I got, it was I mean they were dangerous and I've still got all my fingers and I probably shouldn't yeah it's I mean it's a real job I mean steel yeah. working is a it's a man's job you know mm-hmm. you gotta be tough and building a set of spurs in a day it, I mean that seems pretty ambitious yeah. were, you, were you able to accomplish that in one day you know I, I think I did you know finally got to where I was building five pair in a week five pair in a week and I and I was getting 150 dollars for them and thank God Wendy had a good job yeah <laughs> uh, I got I, I said to I said to one of my friends man if I can ever just get 300 dollars for a pair of spurs I'll be doing good you know 300 for a set <laughs> it's funny to to look back at that huh um you know when you're first starting out just you, you really i think it's important right because you've you've got that stage of when you're doing it and you're getting 150 bucks or you're giving your spurs away mm-hmm. right you get to find out if you really like it right oh yeah because there's yeah. got to be a lot of times there where there, it's just low moments mm-hmm. and you're like you get a question am I supposed to be doing this, right? Yep. I think that's a question that a lot of people don't get to ask themselves. And if you don't get to ask yourself that um, and be really truthful about it, it can lead to a lot of regrets in your life. You know, if you can do the stuff that's grinded on, (laughs) grinding on it all day long, sweating, work, steel working all day long, right? And at the end of the day, you're happy doing that and Mm. you're happy working on that product and refining it uh you it's hard to it's really success is going to be the only option right mm-hmm. it's just a matter of time granted you know it was how long was it do you think before your name was uh, a well like sought after brand man you know I, I always thought i always thought i was cooler than i was because you know the local paper would do a story on right. you or you know, Western Horseman or something, and you thought, oh, yeah, I'm big cheese, you know, but you'd get humbled just the very next day, you know. So I've never really thought of me just being all that. And still to this day, I'm like, "Ah, I'm just a spur maker because everybody tells me that, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're not that big a deal. So. Well, you know what's hard about it, too, is the moment you stop, perfecting it or trying to get better other people can 
built, they can go off of what you've done, right? Mm-hmm. You've set this foundation and they've got, they've got this look so they can copy that look, right? And right. that's something that happens probably pretty quickly in your, you know, oh, yeah. you, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of guys out there and there's a lot of people that do a really good job, but you know, when you've done something so long, well, now they're studying what you're doing and they're kind of at that stage. And I think that's, that's also a big, a big thing. If you, mm-hmm. if you stop or slow down, you know, then it's, it's easier to be passed up or, or be copied and, yeah. and it, you know, and then and it, ha- it happens all the time, but thank God for a little bit of name recognition now, you know, yeah. it makes everything life easier, you know? Yeah. And, and there's just been, well, there's been so many things you've done with your business that have been so correct, you know, from, well, the first of all is to be able to start out like that, you know, to, to be willing to, to give them away, to work on it, to have the, the finish and something like that, that you want to mm-hmm. have, because there's, there's other guys that finish pretty similar to yours now. And when you look closely, you can tell the difference. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing is, well, is that a Kelly, you know, and then you hear that and it, you were able to build a really, really good brand. And, yeah. um, at what stage did you start focusing on that or is that something that just happened kind of organically yeah just you know I think the quality was always there maybe at times I'd dabble in something else and it wouldn't be you know and I always knew the quality needs to be this way the functionality needs to come first I want people using them and if people are using them it has to work you know it has to fit right it has to last things like that so that, that always came first, and I think doing it that way, everything just lines up after that. You know, I'm, I always tell people, I'm, there's no way I'm the best welder, metal, metal smith, uh, blacksmith, silversmith. I'm not the best engraver. I'm not the best artist. I'm a pretty good businessman, though, and I'm above average on the rest of the stuff. So, and then in and then the... And the First and foremost thing is probably I'm more passionate about it than a lot of people that just did it just to dabble in it or whatever. I was dreaming about it at night, falling asleep thinking about it, and that's how it went. You know, you, you start with that foundation and then you have that passion for it and it just goes on. Yeah, you. I mean, you're one of the guys that I think truly found his calling, right? And we're able to see that through. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty special, not I don't even know what percentage of people do it, but I would say it's way yeah. less than ten percent of people do that. Yeah, it's been a it's been a long, a long time doing it, and yeah, I can't, I can't even think of myself as any other way now. You know, it's been so long. Right. I was a kid when I started, really. Yeah, I mean, early early twenties, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's. And yeah, I, I mean, the insurance. My insurance was still sky high. You know, was it? It's not till you're 25 that you can get a break on your insurance. Yeah. I was still, you're still an adolescent, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's pretty neat. Um, so obviously, building spurs and and buckles and and doing that is where you you got your start. But bits, and that's I mean that's the reason I'm here today. Is you know what you've done for the bit business has been. I I don't know that I've seen anyone. Uh, navigate it like you have and that's really fascinating to me because your start out with your bits you correct me if I'm wrong but did you go when did you start building bits and I built them you know probably through those years I built some different ones but uh, Jim Edwards I bought out Jim Edwards in 2003 
2003. Yes, and I built Edwards Bits, and uh, for a, probably a year or so, I, I called him Edwards, maybe a little bit longer, and he actually helped me for three years in that period of time. Right. Is he was he was doing some of the work with me. Um, I was picking his brain like crazy. He's probably probably one of the best minds about bit, bit functionality. And he was good friends with Greg Darnell. He had a, he had this influence, a, an old influence, you know, from John Hoyt and guys like that. That he was that he would pick their brains and. I, I owe a lot to him. When when I tell my story, I mean Jim Edwards is in it, you know, yeah. and, and I picked his brain. There's there's things that he did business wise that I probably did a little bit better, you know. And I always tell people he created a monster. <laughs> he really did, right? Because I took it and ran with it, you know. Yeah, and so you're getting started, and that's a really unique thing because to, a you're going into it, you would think. Humility is a hard thing to have, right? So to want to go to someone and, and learn from them after you've been doing this for a long time, you, you'd mm-hmm. think, okay, you, you're good enough. This is what it's going to be. But to, to take over a business like that or you know, to, to buy out a business and then to really appreciate their craft and then to honor it mm-hmm. is, I mean, it's obviously a solid business and, and, move. And he's the same guy. I mean, the same guy I bought out in 2003 in 1993, he's the same guy that came out to that feedlot and had those bits for sale that I cherished, you know, that I said I couldn't afford. It's the same guy. Right. Yeah. And that's where it gets, that's where it's fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. Is because these bits are, I mean, the first time I ride them, I know a, a big difference. Like I, I go from a, a few chain ports, a few ports that I like, and then. I buy a correction of yours, and then pretty soon I've got three of them in the first month or so because your hands, when you're paying attention to your hands and the feel you get with these, it's it's just different, right? Like it's mm-hmm. as opposed to that generic bit or that cheaper built bit because the steel's heavier, the, the everything's just, you have a consistent feel while your horse is moving. And that's, and I was pretty early, you know, my, I guess I was in my, early 20s when I started to or mid 20s yeah start to understand it's not just get in the box pull on your horse release ride to the cow kind of bump them and you know like there's actual you're going to get different feels from different bits and your horses are different right I Mm -hmm. mean I guess we could we could solve this dilemma for team ropers is there a magical bit that works for everything no and there never will be right never will be and that's because everyone's hands are different. And every horse is different. Every horse is different. And every horse changes too. What 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 you can get away with sometimes, and Daniel talks about it too in training, that horse changes a little bit, you know. Then that horse gets a little bit fickle about something and you're gonna have to change it up. That's that's how that's how we change bits. That's how we train horses, you know. It's 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 a routine that you're never gonna stay on top of, but you've gotta you've gotta be ready to change what's happening well yeah and i mean even think about this um you say you get on your horse and you're going to ride for like you got to just ride in a pasture for a few hours and you get a bit that from the time you put it in your horse's mouth to the time you've rode for a couple hours you probably don't have the same feel Mm -hmm. you you have a horse with a completely different mouth so 
or not completely different. It depends on the horse, right? But you're going to have a different feel in just a few hours just of riding. Ride, just riding the horse. Exactly. So that makes sense why some barrel racers, some team ropers warm up with a different bit. And they have mm-hmm. these, you know, because they know, like, hey, I, they're really in tune with their hands and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and when you get to that level of riding, you notice the little details like that. And I mm-hmm. think that's where it's very important to have a, a craftsman building your products, right? Mm-hmm. And I think... That has been really like go getting back to what I said earlier. Really unique to see because primarily your customers were show horse, right? Kind of like show horse and right. cowboys, right? Rainers, that- rainers and cutters. You know, I mean, it it was cowboys at first, but when I took over in two thousand three, it was mainly it was it was I was going to the rainings and I was going to the cuttings. And that influence and those trainers those are full-time trainers that have won the world in this discipline and they're the top of their game every one of them you know and i'd have that influence and making bits for those people changing bits for those people well well it worked for them it's going to work on a rope horse too you know so that influence is 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 why things changed for me in in the rope horse thing it's it's always been that those cutting horse people, those those rainers, they they used good bits because they were getting things done at an early age, and man, it, it can cha- it it works with the team ropers too. Right. So first of all, on these bits, you know, let's talk about the 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 balance and the weight. Right. Can you explain to me the importance of having? A consistent balance and weight in your bridle and what that does for you yes so with that influence you know that that always came that was always a part of it you know there's people that wanted a heavier bit they use lighter bits and they had a show bit or whatever but the balance has always been you know that's part of the functionality that I was brought up with and, and that Jim gave me they're gonna be balanced they're gonna be perfect the mouthpiece will be perfect you know yeah and uh so with that you got the if they're not balanced you're and you're riding around or let's just say that it's cheap steel right mm-hmm. it's gonna move when your horses move and right. it's gonna work the horse's bars without using your hand and it's it's the same thing like i mean I, i've seen it with like Oh, it's generally at a low number jackpot or something, but you'll see like some big snaps on the reins and a light little bit that's just moving in this horse's mouth. And you're thinking, what is this horse <laughs> going to, you know, what what is he thinking is coming next? If that's the feel, because the, there's really just the, the two points of communication, right? Your hands and your, your feet. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to be able to, you know, to understand that and... Uh, uh, that's where I, when I started to think about those little things and how they, they worked on it, how do you try to piece together the ported mouthpieces? Because I, I think a lot of show horses, they have like a higher purchase or like a bigger port, right? Yeah. And team reppers, they're heavy handed and they they balance on their horse, right? Sometimes like in the box, they're well, going to A lot of them, yeah. There's in, in like a lower number. Um, you see a lot more now though that guys are riding better horses and they're paying attention to what how they're riding now they're going to clinics they're they're going to 
horsemanship. You know, they're 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 working on that. So they're riding better bits now. Like when I was in my early twenties, it oh you never you never spent over thirty dollars on a bridle, you know, and it was always an import or something like that. They didn't work. I mean, you're dependent on somebody's copy of something that came ten years before and some guy that doesn't even build bits or has never seen a horse. He's building your bit over in China. Is that what you want? I mean, yeah. I mean, well, you, you're going to get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. If you buy a thirty dollar bit, you're going to get a thirty dollar bit, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what's really important to understand is you're you're dealing with people that this is what they do. I mean, they're riding the highest end horses. They're they're making their living on this horse, and mm-hmm. their equipment is as important, you know, to communicate to their horses anything, right? Mm-hmm. And so to to get to that stage is a, is a huge accomplishment, but it's also a it's a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. So, do you build all of your bits yourself still, or how did that kind of start? Like the the bit making process. I know you're very hands on with the work, but I, I yeah. I, so. I mean, there's different ways that we do shanks. They're cut. Some of them are bent. Some, you know, some of them are welded together, and they're all hand finished, of course. But there's different ways, and and a lot of the mouthpieces are machined, so there's stainless parts on those moving mechanisms in the parts. So I use a machine shop, and I'll have designs made, you know, like I want, or I'll experiment with things, and yeah. The rings and the welding, most of the welding and the rings are all done in in house. But there's there's parts that are machined on those mouthpieces. You can tell, I mean, to 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 build them precisely like we do, and as many of them we do, you have to be set up at a little different level. Right. I mean, because that's I mean, less three years ago is that was your first time in Vegas with a booth? Was it two or three years uh, ago? It's, it's probably been four now. Four years. Yeah. So. I think that was probably about the time that you really made the move into the, mm-hmm. the team roping industry, right? Right. Is and and so to to understand that is you you're you're putting out a lot of product and then you've got to keep it to a certain level and and I think that's what's also been a huge testament as well is the value of bits has not dropped at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you put them on Facebook and you want to sell them, they're they're sold, right? Yeah. They, and, a lot of times they'll sell for more than I sell them new. Yeah, because they don't they don't want to wait. They would <laughs> rather they would rather pay more for a used one than wait for for a new one. Sometimes. Yeah. I I mean that's that's been a crazy deal to watch because you you know you always you wonder like that you know flooding the market and and mm-hmm. it's now you see them road quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to educate people just a little bit on finding a bit you know when they're looking for something of yours that you suggest like let's just say just a team up or just trying to figure out how their hands work and what what type of bit to kind of start with and and I I mean I would I'm gonna throw it out there I think a correction is a very nice fit or a lot of team ropers like a chain port and I think mm-hmm. I think horses hang on to them a little bit better so they can balance on chain ports is is that right yeah you know um, I have guys that that never rode, rode a ported chain and they'll they'll ride mine but but i i'm just starting off on the ported chain part but i built like 10 different ones and i 
perfected the one. I think the one that I build now is one that I perfected. It's the it's the one I sell the barrel racers, and it's it's like the the best one. And guys that don't even ride them, they'll say, "Oh, I ride I ride this bit. I've, I've rode all those, and I hated the ported chains, and I started riding yours." I think it's the best one of the best bridles I have in in my repertoire. You know? Yeah. So I always I always tell everybody, I'm like, man. I have a hinge port. I have a correction. I have a ported chain. Those, those four, and the, you know, then I'm then I've got a different the milkman. I love that bit too. Sell it in different ones. I've got the the half drop correction with the the slow twist. You know, it depending on your horse, but I I can I if I had one horse, I would have, you know, six or seven different bridles. Right. I I ride. Uh, two different horses and I probably put that many different mouthpieces in their mouth within t- within a month and a half or two months and I don't even ride that much you know yeah well and I think it's important to understand when we wrote like for example I mean my heel horses are I think a, a decent example of this is there's different times where I need a different feel out of him you know running down the arena he might get a little strong I might need a bit that just is a little quicker off my hand Mm -hmm. then there's times where I feel like he's soft going down the arena and then when I enter the turn all I want to do is just have like have him holding on and let me place and kind of put him in some spots so I might Mm -hmm. back off and then I I notice there's times where I want to get a little more lift with my inside rain and allow me to kind of use that to to push them off my left foot and and then it's like i can use my right foot to drive them in and so having those like that's three or four different bits right mm-hmm. there in like two different types of feels that yeah. I'm, I'm looking for out of one heel horse it, it could be the summertime you know you're riding a little more and in the wintertime you're not you know you you change your bits up you're going to need a little more maybe yep you know you you're going to need a little more rate just because you have been riding your, you're not going to practice pin. I'm going to go rope this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Well, need a little bit of rate. So speaking of rate, let's talk about these shanks. To, you know, because that's that's one of the major factors in how quick the you, the reaction you get from when you pull, right? So will you explain me like the the few different shanks, like especially for team ropers, like what you would recommend them them trying to and seeing how what kind of feel they're going to get out of that. Yeah, so I mean, I make there's probably five, really five five or six really popular shanks that I make. Um, of course, with the team roping, it's it's mainly the sevens, the cavalry shank, which I call a number ten, and the O two S. So the O two S is a little quicker. It's got some curve in it, and it. Um, the cur- the curve in it is mainly it just adds weight so weight weight's a little more severe the purchase the, of course the purchase the height on the purchase is going to cause severity too it's just like it's the leverage on the top of it right so the o2s is a little bit straighter it it has the bend in it but it's straighter so it's quicker so when when the uh Bridle rein is back behind the mouthpiece. It's slower. If it's straight down from it, it's going to be a, a quicker reaction time on the bit. So you're getting that instantaneous reaction from it. Yep. So they're they're all a little different in that way. The cavalry is swept back a little bit, so it's it's a it has a delayed reaction, but it has that severity because it's the length with the weight. And then the seven shank. In my opinion, it hangs like one of the best bits I have. 
it's going to have that little more delayed reaction just because the bridle loop's a little bit further back behind the mouthpiece. Right. So there, there's all kinds of little tricks you can do, but those three are my mainly... In course, the 65, it's one of the most versatile versatile, versatile uh, shanks that I have. It's, it's not that severe, but it's, a, it's one of the greatest feeling ones. You know, I always tell everyone, if you're going to have one bit of mine, it's going to be a 6520, which is just that ball correction on that seven-inch shank. Right, right. So there you go, team helpers. If, if your horse does not feel like you can slow them down, the straighter and longer the shank is and the higher the purchase is, the more leverage you have and the quicker your reaction will be when you use your hand. And the mm -hmm. more the shank curves back and the shorter the shanks and the purchase gets, the slower the reaction. So if you're heavy handed and you find your horse bouncing around a lot, but you, you're in their mouths constantly, that might be a little better starting point right. for you. And then, you know, you're obviously going to, that's where these trainers and these guys that are very competitive and they understand these little differences and how to, to help their horses with these these bits like this and, and to use them properly, right? It's, right. it's really important. Um, I know mouthpieces, it's such a broad spectrum, right? Like, and everyone's gonna say, oh, I, I do this and get this type of feel. and But there, there are a few things that I think are really, really unique as far as I did not ride solid mouthpieces at all until I've rode one of yours and I don't even know the, the the number on it but could you explain to me the feel like a solid mouthpiece generally creates yes yeah. so you know everyone says oh you need a solid mouthpiece on an older horse but there's it, it just it's the same way with uh, the barrel horse it's going to make them a little more stiffer and because it's a solid the broken one just like the more breaks in it the little softer it is, the more bendy it is. So it's just going to stiffen them up. Stiffen them up. I always say, you know, it's always good to have a, a solid mouthpiece in the mix too. It, it. Well, you know, in thinking about that, it's it's kind of the, the opposite. The more the bit breaks, right, the the more buttons you're going to potentially have or can use if you want. The the if it's solid, it's harder to use rearrange individually and get as much feel and leverage mm -hmm. so that's that's basically what you're creating with a, a solid a solid to the the broken pieces and then um you know when looking for like understanding tongue pressure and and i and i think like your corrections are they're so smooth right and they're they're obviously more, they're my favorite corrections i've i've ever wrote but why do you think that is and where does the pressure you know where does the bit make pressure in these correction bits you know where do you get that feel and where does it hit the horse's mouth so my corrections are a little different just because i put on on the one you're probably talking about it's the 20 so it has a little softer feel because of that round ball yep. but it's a straight down pressure and it's it's a it's a severe bit I mean, a, a correction's not a light bit. When you when you pull on it, it's gonna, it's it's doing some things. It's breaking on those bars, so it's um, it's it's got that better feel just because of that softer with the ball. It's a smaller port. Now the mic, the milkman, I put a bigger relief in there. Some younger horses like it more just because it's it has that wider tongue relief and maybe less less stress on 
a, a mouth of a younger horse, you know. So when you pull on the bit, we're talking the the bottom part of the correction, that rounded off ball part. That's that's one of the things that makes your bits so special, right? The corrections, especially, right. is you by how narrow or wide that is. That's where we're getting our our pressure and a lot of our feel from, right? And then obviously the higher the port, does it hit the top of the horse's mouth, or where where do you you know the the top of the port and the actual? Yeah, so it, I mean, you can talk about a tall port, but you're gonna have to get up there over two and a half inches to actually affect the touching the palate of the of the horse's mouth, you know. So they've got to be pretty tall, and if if that's what you're looking for, you know, some of them. Some of them are just, you're just dealing with more tongue relief until you get up in that area. Right. Okay. And then my last question, and I, I'm not quite sure how I'm supposed to use them yet. I, I haven't had the opportunity to ride a lot of them, but is your twists. You know, you're like, will you explain the, it's would be on the, the, the bar part of the bit, right, that works mm -hmm. the bars. Um, the metal will be twisted and there's different. Uh, degrees of a twist like there'll be a tighter twist and a slower right. twist will you explain the what the purpose of a twist is and what what that kind of creates so uh, the twist is sitting on the bars of the horse's mouth if you look in the mouth there's the the blank area there behind the teeth and what that is is that's that's going to put the feel on those bars so you don't want to damage those bars but you know, the rope horse, you can be lighter, more is less sometimes. So that's that's the purpose of that. It's not it's not to be heavy handed and rip on one because you can you could definitely hurt a horse's bars. And when you damage those bars, then that feeling is just gone. Yeah. And you, you've got big problems after that. Those bits aren't made for just anyone, so there's kind of a disclaimer when you when when you're talking about that. People look at them and, and they frown on it, and, and and they'll call you out on social media. They don't know, but they don't ride a fifteen hundred pound freight train down the arena, do they? <laughs> no, and and I think there's a lot of little things like understanding. You know, you get the slack out of the reins before you use you 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 use your leverage right mm -hmm. so if you're if you've rode your horse and you have jerked on him with a loose rein you can't ride this bit i mean it's just plain and simple you right. you shouldn't ride it and you can't ride it right it's just not designed how you know that's not how it's supposed to work but you'll 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 take that bit to someone and you'll say uh, man I, that looks that looks really severe and i'm just like try that i mean try that because you're not going to have to be pulling on this horse anymore you're just going to be really light and, and they'll come back and go man that that made my horse a different horse it's 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 affected my roping now i'm just my horse will stay in and it doesn't do anything off kilter anymore exactly and that's i think the importance of understanding bits right this is like mm -hmm. you're, we're trying to help you piece the two things together of your hands and how how much you move them throughout the run and and also you need you know being aware of it is probably the first step and then how these bits are going to react to to your hands because that's that's the thing about these rope horses there's a lot of them especially and i think that's one of the coolest things about roping is you can ride like 15 to 18 or 19 20 year old horses are still very competitive in fact they're probably some of the best ones mm -hmm. but their mouths have been pulled on for a long time and they know their job and so they're that 
that's just a little harder area. So mm-hmm. if your if your horse is no longer listening to you and you yeah. need they learn those tricks yeah, <laughs> yeah. even a young horse will give you tricks but an old one will give you more yep and and that's the thing is you can soften by not pulling right mm-hmm. you can soften by being light with your hands because you've got more, more. bit than you need and and i think that's you know that's the balance and it's a hard thing to do but that's you know where horsemanship and these great guys really show through that can that can train them and keep mm-hmm. them going and you know that's it's a really an art form and that's that's been pretty amazing well i mean obviously we're, we're you know down below doing a, a barrel racing shoot with daniel campbell today and mm-hmm. you know you've moved on into the barrel racing side of things and that's been going for a few years as well right right how big of a change has that been from the because the transition from a a show horse to a rope horse makes sense to me they're very similar you know you have just some you know you're you're building a chain port which i don't think you ever intended on building a chain port but um you know you're building chain ports to now you're building these gags and all types of bits how how big of a challenge has that been you know just teaming up with Danielle, it's made it really smooth because, you know, I'll tell people, they'll, they'll come up to me, which bit do you suggest? And man, like, well, now I'm really lost because I not only don't know your horse, but I'm not a barrel racer, but right. she is. We'll take, we'll, we'll take, and it's so funny that a barrel racer will come up to you with a problem and they'll have a video on their phone and they'll show you. And we'll go, we'll, I'll go, here, give it to Danielle. She'll call you back within five minutes and and tell you what you want to do and you know how knowledgeable she is about those and you know I, I what i bring to the picture is the functionality the the mouthpiece i've come up with some of the mouthpieces we use some of my mouthpieces in in those barrel bits but just being able to uh, manufacture them on on a certain level with the quality and then her input on the design that's where that's where we come together so it's it it is like it is like the cow horse bits but it isn't because 90 percent of it daniel brings to the to the table with the design i think that's where the the business side of it is so important for you right you know you you've got this skill and the knowledge of how to do it but to be able to bring someone in that that's what they do and they are very in tune with what they need, what horses need, what bits are like, and, and really study that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you, it's yeah. Kinda, it was a good. It was a good team. It's yeah, a good I mean, partnership. And, and I think when, have you applied that? You know the the ability to I'll just call it humility, right? Like when you don't know something, you you ask, right? Mm-hmm. And and to how do you do that without getting offended or being offended? Is that been, is that a problem ever? Oh, with the, with the barrel or stuff? Just in general, like building. No, you get, you do get offended. You have to get, I'm a lot thicker skin than I used to be. But when you, when you actually worn out your body parts, building stuff over the years and and you, you spent so much time in the shop and so much dedication and, and just sweat and tears and blood, you know, you put it all into it. And then somebody can come at you just to, and with the wrong, just the wrong attitude sometimes, and man, it'll get all over you. Yeah, you know, it's it's just part of owning your own business and and 
making that 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 thing yourself you know well and it's part of the ups and downs right it's what makes the good times even better <laughs> and you know it's tough um when someone or even like competition too and they they because they like i said it, you know the design and the that's always going to be something that's people are going to want to do and if they if you got something that's working it's going to be copied right oh, yeah. well you've proved that there's a market for it so they're, they're oh, yeah. trying and they, to and they do it all i mean they do it every day and there's really nothing you can do about it you just you you can't go get a patent on everything all you can do is have what what you have your name and your guarantee and your quality behind you you know that's all i have anymore because there's people as good or better at anything that i do right they they might not be able to do it on the level that i do with the consistency that's that's the other thing that that i have on people that i am able to produce in in a short period of time just over the years and the designs and all the things that i've come up with whether it's in the manufacturing part or the business part of it that's where i have those people beat and that's why i'm at that level right because you're you're able to produce these handcrafted bits spurs without these huge waiting lists right and then you've been able to keep the quality at a very high level right right why do you why do you think that is you you know what is some of the keys that make you different to keep the quality so high even though i mean you've you're rolling through a lot of a lot of bits right a lot now. of bits yeah and it, it's of course it it didn't come overnight it wasn't like you you said okay now i'm going to start doing 20 times as many it was it was all it was always baby steps you know so you, you improve on it and you make sure you have the right people that care about what they're doing and there's no one in my shop no there i take that back i have one guy that actually wasn't trained by me you know but i mean in effect he has been now he's been there a year or so and he's right he's ad adapted to what we do but every one of them learned from me everyone if it even if if they're engraving a little bit if they're welding or whatever they all learn from me so just just taking those baby steps and and the training and and just hand picking people i guess that's that's how it's come to what it is you know find people that have that true passion for right. it do you still you i mean you're still really hands on with every every bit every every everything that comes out of here right right how hands on are you like how how is that process went from buying the business, you know, the the bit and moving to there and understanding like you can only build so many right. yourself, right? Yeah. So how is how is that kind of So it's it's kind of adapted a little bit where like when you get to a certain point and you have these people, you have to keep them all lined out. So I'm in the middle of that, but I'm still the guy. I'm still the only guy cutting the silver out. You know, I'm still you know one of the guys doing the engraving. I'm di I'm the guy draw drawing everything you see. I'm the guy drawing it. You've drawn everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean like from from day the whole time you've yeah, drawn. Yeah, I mean there's wow. not there's not a design you'll see on anything that I didn't draw. You know, maybe maybe a couple that Corey and I worked together on, but I mean this. Yeah, I mean, it's been. It's been you mm -hmm. or the team like coming up with the idea, but you're you're very hands on with right. all of that. That's that's pretty amazing. 
still love doing it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a job. You know that you you always heard that old saying. You know, find something you love, and you, you'll never work another day. That's not necessarily the case. It, <laughs> you have to work. It's and sound, you're gonna work. It sounds good. It sounds good. You'll never work a day in your life, but. I think it's more or less you can justify the work and the sacrifices you're making, right? Right. Yeah. What about, is there a set of spurs or a bit that you put together that you're just like, wow, this is is my favorite one or one that really jumps out at you? Yeah, I was showing the girls earlier, there's there's a, it's a heavier, it's kind of a, a really fancy design and it's a big heavy and it's engraved all over and it's probably one of my favorite things that I do we'll get some pictures of this and it's yeah we might have to have you you talk about a couple of them right here after this podcast okay hey no I I appreciate you doing this this is I've been trying to hunt you down for uh two years now this is I've I've been asking about this one um just because I I, I'm just so fascinated uh to to see what you've done but uh, I'm such a huge fan, and I, and on top of it, I'm I'm a dumb team roper trying to educate myself. So there's a lot of it, like how do we get to this? You know, how did you get here? You know, and I think it's it's been a it's been a hell of a journey. Yeah, it has. Well, thanks again. You bet. Thank you.